We're in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Come on, that's good. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays uh, lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. It does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in these moments, God, would you move? Would you speak? I humble myself now, Lord, before your people. And I just say, speak, Father. Let me be an instrument, Lord, for your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It was Kenneth E. Bailey who penned these words in his book, Uh, The Good Shepherd, A Thousand-Year Journey from Psalm 23 to the New Testament. Pen these words, sheep have a special problem. They have no defenses. Cats have teeth, claws, and speed. Dogs have their teeth and their speed. Horses can kick, bite, and run. Bears can claw, bite, and crush. Deer can run, but the sheep? They have no bite or claws. They cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep, but that ability will not protect them from the wolves or the bears. The sheep's only security is the shepherd. We come to this text uh, fresh off of uh, our, our sermon last week. If you are here, let me give you a quick update of what we talked about. We said uh, Jesus makes this statement in uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. He says, I am the door. I am the door for the sheep which are in the gate. He's making this statement uh, based off of the, what's happened in chapter 9. In chapter 9, there is a blind man born from birth. Now, uh, what you have to understand is that in ancient times, if somebody was blind from birth, they thought that this person had some type of sin that happened in their family. Like it was somehow some type of karma situation, so they deserved to be in that situation. This blind man all of a sudden gets healed by Jesus, and he goes to the Pharisees, and now he wants to celebrate what God has done. Because in all of the Hebrew scriptures, right, all the way to the New Testament, there's never been a sign like this before. Somebody being healed from uh, blindness from birth? This is different. 
And so, so he, they, they come up, and, and, and he brings his family as witnesses, but because they could not understand it, and they did not, it didn't happen the way that they wanted, they tossed him out. Here comes Jesus, who healed this man. And, and ultimately, this man ends up following him. So Jesus goes on this diatribe. He tells him, I am the door. I will keep you safe. Even though your family is thrown you away, even though you're not allowed to worship anymore, I am the door. You get to come and be with me. And now he starts doing this interchange of words as all these other people which are around, these Jewish people around, and they're listening to these ideas of this crazy story about how God is a good shepherd. Let's go back to verse 11 in chapter 10. Uh, This is what he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they do not belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so that wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Now, here it is. <laughs> Before we, we go on here in this passage, this is what I, I want to go ahead and, and, and just put some, 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 some blocks here for us. Get your Bibles out. <laughs> We're going to do a lot of scripture work, all right? And because I love you so much, I didn't put the scriptures up there. I'm going to have you look it up. You know what I'm saying? So, so be prepared. We're going to do a lot of scripture. Here's the first thing I want us to understand as we get to this passage. Foolish sheep confuse hired hands for shepherds. Foolish sheep confuse hired hands for shepherds. It would seem to me in this day and age when we have more information at our fingertips than in any other generation... That if you want to know something, you could just say, hey, Google, somebody's phone just went off right now. Uh, hey, Google, tell me about this. Like, like it would seem, right, like, like it, is, it is at our hands. And, and because we have more information, because we have more access to things than we've ever had. Like in ancient times, if you had a headache, you had to pray. You, even in some third world countries, like you had to hope and believe that like it would go away here for us. We don't even think about it. We just go and grab the aspirin bottle. Right? Like we, we literally have things at our hands. If we want food, we'll just go to the drive-thru. And if it's not done in 60 seconds or less, we're literally saying mean things about the people which made your food. Think about this in 60 seconds or less. That's crazy. We, we have more access to more things than we've ever had before. So it is easy, wouldn't you think, for us to be led astray by all these other uh, opportunities. I actually believe this is human nature. This is what we we actually find. And Jesus here on the onset of his conversation, right, after saying, I am the door, he now places this other idea. He says, I am the good shepherd that willingly lays down his life for you. But here's what you have to understand. Just like thieves and robbers want to jump over the fence to snatch you away, to steal you away from me, what you have to understand is that there are shepherds and there are hired hands. 
And hired hands are not like shepherds. They look like shepherds. They, pre- they act like shepherds, but they are not shepherds. They're false. And they will lead you astray. How do we know this? We've seen it all throughout the story of Israel. So here it is. Uh, walk with me here as we paint this picture of what we see throughout Scripture here of these hired hands. Because I think for us to understand why Jesus is saying this, we have to get a little context. Why is, what is the reason why Jesus says that I am the good shepherd and be careful of hired hands? Here it is. Uh, God, uh, as the children of Israel have found themselves in 400 years of bondage in Egypt, God sends Moses and he delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt. Not only that, he he conquers the most powerful nation on the face of the planet at that time, Egypt, and then they walk through on dry land through the Red Sea. And then If that wasn't good enough, God leads them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. If that wasn't good enough, God sets his holy tabernacle in the middle of all of the children of Israel. So I want you to picture this, right? You would wake up in the morning, you would open your tent, and in the middle of all of these people which have just been moved, right, from, from Egypt, from 400 years of slavery, from being, from being beaten and persecuted and tortured, right, you have God right in the middle. You see his glory right there. It seems like the shepherd has led his sheep out and is leading his sheep out to the promised land. Here's the only thing. The, the children of Israel have a tendency to look for hired hands when they have the real thing. Look at Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 5. This is what it says. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods. Who will go before us as for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt? Pause, pause there for a second. Did you guys just hear what I said? God supernaturally brought them out of Egypt. They never had to pick up a sword. They never had to fight. He, he opens the sea. They walk on dry land. He literally tents with them and listen to their th- Let us make gods. And then if that wasn't bad enough, who do they attribute their deliverance to? Moses. We have a propensity of wanting to follow hired hands and not the good shepherd. This way it says, and for, for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took uh, took what they had and, and, and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. 
When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in the front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and to drink, and they got up to indulge in revelry. See, we, we want to follow something. It is human nature. We, we, if, if God is not moving fast enough, if God is not doing something, like we want to follow something, we want to follow something. And right here, God had put these leaders in place, but because it wasn't happening at the pace that they wanted, because it wasn't going the way that they wanted, what did they do? They followed hired hands instead of the good shepherd. God then decides to punish that generation because they were not a believing people. They did not want to follow God. They they wanted to follow something else. So they spend 40 years in the desert. But ultimately, God then delivers them. They have another river moment, right? They they cross through, and then they come to uh, uh, Jericho. We, We all know the song, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, right? And you have to remember this now. I want you to think in, we have to go back in context of the scriptures. The Bible says that Jericho was a city with great big walls. This is what it's trying to tell you, right? If you're listening, if you're in that day and time, that, that, in, that, that in that time, if your city had great walls, it means that you were a great city, that you were powerful. That's literally what it's saying. So this little tiny nation which has is, which is already purged a group of people which were not following God, now has come once again, and, and they're not told to pick up a sword, but once again they're saying, let the battle go to your good shepherd. So they're told to walk around the city uh, seven times or seven days, and then celebrate and rejoice that what God is doing. And what does God do? He gives them the victory. They dis- the, the Jericho is destroyed. They, they settle in the land. And then God appoints judges over them. And he says, okay, I want you to be obedient to me, right? Like, I am your king. Listen, I am your king. Follow these judges and continue to follow me. Because you will be my representatives throughout the earth. You will be my people. You will be a kingdom of priests. So that all of the world will come back to to know that I am God. The promise that God had given to Abraham. But, but watch this. We get to Judges chapter 2, and what we see is that you have a, a, a group of people of judges which are a mess. <laughs> like not all of them, but most of them are broken people. Look at, look at Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. It says, as after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors... Another generation grew up, listen to this, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They t- forsook the Lord and for a God for their, uh, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the people around them. Same story. Different time, different generation. God, I want what they have. 
It, it doesn't matter that you, you brought us here, that we're in this land, that now this, you're fruitful. It doesn't matter that you, you've set us up rightly. No, I, I want what they have. And so what do foolish sheep do? They create that as their shepherd when it is only a hired hand. The pattern continues. And so Samuel now is forced to, to make them a king. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 through 20, right? Actually, before that, Samuel is saying, hey, this is the way the Lord wants to lead you. He lays out this, this beautiful passage and this decree. This is, Samuel is literally about to die, and he's trying to tell them, this is God's heart for you. And this is what they say to him. But the people refuse to listen to Samuel. One of the scariest Passages of scripture, I think, in the Bible. But the people refused to listen. No, they said, we want a king over us. Here it is. Then we will be like all other nations. With a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. Time and time again, the children of Israel wanted to follow and replace God with hired hands. Instead of following the God who loved them, who protected them, who wanted to be their shepherds, wanted to be their guides, who wanted to be beside them, wanted to walk with them. Can, can I be honest? I, I tend to do that myself a lot. Like, like, we can look down our noses at the children of Israel, but can I be honest? I, I tend to be like that. Oh, God, this is, this is taking too long. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm not going to wait for you. I'm not going to sit and be patient and say, okay, God, you're going to, I'm going to trust you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the God of convenience. So, so, so I'm going to work these deals. I'm going to work these back deal so that I can get what I want, so that I can feel better about myself instead of waiting upon the Lord. Oh, am I the only one? <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, man, you are not a Christian, Pastor Elijah. You know, I wait on the Lord all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's like, like we, we, we tend to do that, don't we? We, we, we tend to be like, oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, God, I've seen how you've rescued, you, rescued me. I may not be the person that I want to be, but, like, I know I'm not the person that I used to be. You brought me a mighty long way. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so then the Lord says, okay, now I want you to read more and pray more. I ain't got no time. Man, I'm busy. There's not enough time in the day. D do you know there was a study done? Uh, about like people and, and, and uh, time efficiency, what they found was that most people have overwhelmingly more time that, you know, on their hands that they think. And that actually the people that communicate, I, I'm so busy, I have, I have no time to do this, actually they're the biggest procrastinators. That, I, I didn't make that study, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Why, why do we choose to follow hired hands? Even though we know that ultimately when the wolves comes, Jesus says, those hired hands will leave you high and dry. And we find ourselves in this place over again. God, would you move again like you did before? 
But the whole time you were following the hired hand. This is the story of the children of Israel. I would say this is the story of our lives. I know I can say right here, this has been the story of my life. In my moments of unfaithfulness, I've looked for something to guide me that was convenient. And I have been foolish and I've mistaken a hired hand for a good shepherd. It just really depends what is your hired hand that you have been following in your life instead of the good shepherd. Is it instant gratification in the form of sex, money, work, or status? Is it, is it fear? Is it identity in something other than the God of the universe who loves you, who cares for you? Is it anger? Is it drugs? Is it politics? Is it debate? Is it celebrity worship? What is that hired hand that you tend to follow instead of the God who wants to engage with you? And before you know it, as you are following this hired hand, it will leave you high and dry. One scholar says it like this, uh, the hired hand may not have any ill intentions, but his priority lies in, the, in his own safety rather than that of his sheep. He is willing to work and earn a wage as long as it does not involve any difficult uh, or dangerous task. Before, uh, however, when there is a perceived threat such as a wolf approaching and his own safety is at risk, quickly he retreats and abandons the sheep to fend for themselves. This behavior is understandable given that he is merely a hired hand and has no emotional attachment to his sheep. So when Jesus gives these pictures, this word picture, it says, I am the good shepherd. Like if, you were, if you're one of the readers of John's gospel, you would have fully understood, right, what a good shepherd in contrast of a hired hand that when bad times come, I cannot rely on this. I can rely on him. And they knew truly the unfaithfulness they had had in their lives, in their history. And now Jesus makes this proclamation, I am the good shepherd. If you would follow me in the midst of your pain, I will not leave you. Can you imagine what it feels like to that blind man born from birth? who is considered a sinner. Not because he, he did anything wrong, but because he was born with something that people did not understand. Who was an outcast from worship. And now he engages with the good shepherd. Even after he's thrown away from his family, even after he's thrown away from, from the church at that time, like he, the good shepherd meets him where he's at. And he says, follow me. You see, this, this is God's heart the whole time. All we have to do is continue in digging, digging into scripture. Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 through 16. Look at what God says about his desire for his lost sheep. For this, uh, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. 
As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of the clouds and the darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and I'll gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land. I will tend to them in good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will bear, will will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in the rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend to my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. This is the Father's heart. This is Jesus' heart. And in Jesus, in this moment, is made manifest the heart of the Father as he says to them, I am the good shepherd. Like, you have had all of these these hired hands that have caused you to walk astray, that have caused you to go into the cycle of brokenness time and time and time again, but here I am now. You will never have to feel the loneliness and the brokenness of exile ever again because I have come to you in flesh. Look at verse 14, chapter 10. This is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. Here it is. See, a good shepherd will always willingly lay his life for his sheep. See, this is important imagery that we have to understand in the context of this passage. Because, man, being a shepherd was really dangerous in that time. Remember, we we said last week, right, the gates were high enough that people couldn't scale over and pick up some sheep and then try to climb back over. So so the the, the shepherd would sit at at, at the, the doorway. He would basically be the door of the gate. So he would have to be ever vigilant, ever awake, because thieves and robbers and wolves to get to the sheep would have to go through the shepherd. And so, and so he's, he's saying here, listen, I am the shepherd. I willingly put my life on the line so that those which want to kill and destroy and to mislead and to break in have to go through me first. This is this gospel picture packed into this moment. How do we know that? Well, just look at the cross. Jesus willingly goes to the cross and he willingly lays his life down as Satan, that old wolf, once, who wants to come and to take and to kill and to destroy, is fended off by the good shepherd. He goes to the cross and in that moment, he conquers sin, death, the grave, wolves, lions, and bears for our behalf. 
for our part. He says, I am the good shepherd. What an amazing picture in this moment. For, for sheep which are lost and scattered in this moment, he says, he, he calls all of his sheep which have been scattered, which have been running away, which have been broken. Because up until this moment, it's only a select few. It's only the ones that could do it right, which were allowed to even come into the temple to worship. Remember, let's just go back to chapter 9. This blind man from birth who was considered a sinner who is not considered good enough, who had a past, whose family couldn't even stand up for him in the moment of great uh, uh, joy. And yet, the the shepherd goes, that is one of my flock. He he belongs to me. Yeah, they they got some stuff. They're they're a little dusty. He belongs to me. She, She belongs to me. Yeah, yeah, I know she's got a past. I know she might have a story. I know some people might have talked about her. I know that there might be pains or hurts there. I know that she might be limping, but she's one of mine. She can come with her blemishes. She can come with her pain. She can come with her hurt. She can come with her sorrows. She's one of mine. This is what the good shepherd invites us into. It is this beautiful picture. And, and, and then he goes on. Jesus says, and my sheep, there's some sheep which are not of this flock. So just in case you, which are Jewish here in this text, think that it's only about you. No, there's others, Gentiles and Greeks, which are outside. Us, which are lost, are brought back into the fullness of God. What is this reek of, right? Then we have to go back. What is he saying? He's giving us a picture to the covenant promise that he gave Abraham. That Abraham, through you, I will bring all nations together. Red, yellow, black and white, all precious in his sight, young and old. Like this is the promise that we actually see in these words of the good shepherd. See, this is the reason why Overflow Church, I celebrate our church. It it is easy to go to a church where everybody looks like you, thinks like you, votes like you, prays like you, and does all that. But we do the hard work of being a broken uh, group of sheep that come together as one. Because we know that our flock is so much bigger than our own mere experiences. That that the one who lays down his life, laid down his life for all. It is our Revelation 7, 9 picture. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. That's what Jesus says, I am that sheep. How do we know that to be true? Well, let's continue going to the text. Jesus says, they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. What is Jesus pointing to? John chapter 17 in this passage. What is his prayer for the church? That we would be one. That that we would not be separated by these peripheral things. That we would not let uh, these hired hands run us away from a good shepherd that calls us to be one. He says, I am the shepherd of one flock. I am the shepherd of one flock. And in this flock, there's young and old. There's Republican and Democrat. There's black and white and yellow. This is the gospel on display. Listen to the good shepherd. 
But for whatever reason, we are often whisked away by hired hands. And when our worldviews, when our identities, when those problems fall flat and we see there is no joy, there is no truth in those things, we are left by ourselves to be eaten by wolves. I love uh, New Testament scholar Craig Keener's uh, picture, beautiful picture that he paints of Jesus as good shepherd. This is what he says. A good shepherd was one who cared for his sheep and would not harm them. He was trustworthy and would nurse the sick sheep back to health. Moreover, the the life of the faithful shepherd would be uh, difficult and would require facing predators on behalf of the sheep. Sometimes resisting thieves could lead to a shepherd's death. Yet, Jesus willingly says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. See, we, we could walk through this path and we could see the children of Israel time and time and time again make these mistakes fall away. But it's the same thing that we do. It is the same problems, it's the same problems, right, that we have. We are, we're often whisked away by, by, by these hired hands. But I love how the prophet Isaiah says it. No matter, this is how good our shepherd is, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid his, uh, laid all of the iniquity, all of our failure, all of our pain on him who is the good shepherd. See, the good shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. And so you might be in this painful place, you might be in this hurting place, but the good shepherd knows his sheep. And it means that no matter how far you are, or no matter how painful it is, that the good shepherd is actively looking for you. There's a book uh, by F.F. Bishop uh, who writes, uh, it's called Jesus, The Jesus of Palestine. He writes a story about this picture of a shepherd and the shepherd's call. Uh, and I think it depicts really the heart of Jesus in this really beautiful way. This is what he says. During the riots in Palestine in the mid- middle 30s, a village near Hafaya, I definitely said that wrong, was condemned to collectively punishment by having its sheep and cattle sequestered by the government. The inhabitants, however, were permitted to redeem their possessions at a fixed price. Among them was an orphan shepherd boy whose six or eight sheep and goats were all he had in the world for life and work. Somehow he obtained the money for their redemption. He went to the big enclosure where the animals were penned, uh, uh, were penned offering his money to the British sergeant in charge. The NCO told him he was welcome to the requisite number of animals, but, uh, b- uh, but ridiculed the idea that he could possibly pick out his little flock from the mo- among the confiscated hundreds. The little shepherd thought differently because he knew better. And given his own call, for, his, uh, for he had a nigh, which is a shepherd's pipe, with him, 
his own sheep, as he played, started to separate from the rest of the animals and trotted out after him. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and they know me. Are you lost? Are you alone? Are you tired? Have you found yourself in cycles of brokenness, feeling like there's no way out of the present situation? The good shepherd knows you. And he's willing to go through any pain that you've gone through, any, any brokenness that you've gone through, any, any, any frustration that you've gone through because you are his. That's what makes him good. It is the beauty of the shepherd's heart. Would you bow your heads and, and pray with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.